It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the Giants huddle Podcast. This week's guest, former New York Giant, Myron Guyton. Want to remind you first that you can find the Giants Little Podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. Find the subscribe, add us to your favorites. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star positive review if you're on Apple Podcasts. You can also find it on the Giants mobile app and on Giants.com slash podcast. Our very own Paul Dottino had a chance to catch up with former Giants defensive back Myron Guyton. So Myron, let's go back and, and take a look at when you first come out of Eastern Kentucky. 89 is a Giants rookie. You're coming out of a team that's got a lot of superstars, an accomplished team, a Super Bowl contender. Are you like a deer in headlights? What are you thinking to yourself as you step onto the field with all these terrific names? Um, Of course, I'm intimidated first. uh, And second, I'm thinking that this is a great opportunity because I'm going to an organization that loves defense. So I knew that it was going to be a challenge uh, because of the leadership that they had on defense, but I knew it was an opportunity because if I can make it on this team and this defense, um, then it'd be fun to play every weekend. You earned reps quickly, obviously. You had the skills, you had the talent, you had some injuries early in your career as well. But to work under Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells, you obviously were their kind of player. Why do you think that was? Because they allowed you to earn the respect that you wound up deserving. Well, I think I fit the mold of what Belichick was looking for defensively. Uh, One thing, because of my size and speed. Uh, The second thing was because uh, he thought that I had a a great football IQ, uh, that I could pick up on the things that he was asking uh, his safeties to do. Now, it didn't just come naturally. I must say that I spent uh, a lot of time uh, before practice with Belichick watching film you know, studying tape and not watching the teams that we're going to play. I actually studied a lot about other players from other organizations that played the same position that I played, um, which I used to always wonder starting off, you know, why he got me watching, you know, Dennis Smith. Why am I watching the way he makes his tackle? So he kind of took something from every player and he said, hey, this is a guy that I want you to be. And for Parcells, from day one, Parcells threw me into the fire. I remember the first <laughs> practice, um, O.J. Anderson came through on a run, and everybody kind of slapped him, you know, a hand check. And when he got to me, I did the same thing. And I remember <laughs> I remember Parcel stopped practice, and he was like, son, what are you doing? I need you to tackle him. I want you to hit him when he comes through that line. This here's not the school of the blind. This here's not who do you, who do you guys play down there? You know, I want to see if you can hit him. I want to see if you can hit on this level, son. You know, you know, and they ran to play over again, and I looked at OJ, and I'm like, no, I'm not tackling. You know, this guy, here's a beast, you know, and I slapped him on the butt again, you know, but I knew from there he was testing me, and I knew that he understood that as a young guy, you're going to make mistakes early on. It's how you recover from those mistakes. You know, do you go out there and you get beat and you drop your head, or do you go out there and say, hey, you know, they beat me on this play, you won't beat me on that play again. And that's the attitude that I took, and I kind of figured out that that's what what Parcells was looking for in his players. Well, what's interesting about that is because fast forward, after a handful of years with the Giants, you wind up following Parcells up to New England. Right. Um, And it was only because of Parcells. Uh, I can tell you right now that, uh, and my wife can tell you, we did not enjoy being in New England. 
uh, as an organization. Uh, Kraft's a very good owner personally, um, but it's just not the same chemistry that we had here with the Giants. The Giants is is a family, and they tell you that when you come in. Uh, they take a lot of pride in how you carry yourself off the field. Um, people ask me, what do you miss most about football? I miss the camaraderie. You know, I miss talking to LT and Banks and Greg Jackson and Mark Collins and Perry Williams and Leonard Marshall. And I mean, you just, rem- you just, you miss those guys. I even miss, you know, the offensive guys. Some of my best friends are running backs. I don't know why, you know, OJ Anderson and Lewis Tillman. Lewis Tillman was my roommate. You know, I don't think I can figure it, it, it is, you know, they wanted me to take it easy on them at practice because why else, you know, would these running backs be friends with me? You know, I, I'm the one to hit them. Now, we knew after the 89 season that you guys were true Super Bowl contenders, but Parcells and George Young going into the 90 season, they go out and they pick up Dave Dewerson right before opening day. They pick up Everson Walls, and these two vets come in. Walls with an accomplished career with the Cowboys and All-Pro many times over. Dewerson brings over a Super Bowl ring from the 85 Bears. What did those two guys in particular bring to your secondary that allowed you to elevate to championship level? Well, they brought some leadership, uh, especially uh, at the safety position for Greg Jackson and I with Dave Dorson And Everson actually played some safety. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, but one of the biggest things they brought was some depth. I mean, these were guys that could play multiple positions. And for Belichick, you had to be a guy that can play multiple positions. We didn't have just strong safety and free safety. We had left safety and right safety. And when uh, the field changes or, or the offense changes, then we just change our role. All of a sudden, I go to strong safety, my free safety. And with Everson and Durson, it allowed us to do that. It allowed us with, with Durson. Durson played linebacker in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and Greg Jackson played down in the Super Bowl. So, we were, I mean, we, we were very flexible defense, you know, and Belichick believed in that bend, don't break defense, that we're going to allow them to get to two or three yards, and sooner or later they're going to make a mistake, and we're going to capitalize on it. And these guys were mentally tough. Everybody on our defense was mentally tough, and that's what he brought in with Everson Walls and Dave Dorsey. At what point during the 1990 season did you start to really believe that, you know what, we're not just a Super Bowl contender, but I think we're really going to be there when we might win the thing? We went on a, uh, on a run. I mean, we were undefeated until we played against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. We felt that we had a very good team. But we knew that we had a Super Bowl caliber team when we went out to play San Francisco. Even though we lost to San Francisco, we felt like that was a game that we should have won. It was our type of game where it was close. uh, It was hard fought. um, It came down to one or two plays, and that's the type of football we play. And we knew that we can slow up that, that offense of San Fran uh, to, to get us where we needed to be. And, it, and it's funny because it came back down to playing San Francisco to get into the Super Bowl. The end of the three-peat, as it was so said on radio and television. If you can, try to relive for me what goes on during that final Niners drive when Eric Howard strips Roger Craig and LT recovers the fumble because at that point, Myron, there are a lot of people thinking Niners can run out the clock here. Giants, Giants not going to get the ball back. You, you guys are not going to have a chance to win this game. Well, 
We were thinking as a defense that we got to make a play. We've been in this situation before where we needed something big to happen. Um, so our defense, we never would give up on a game because it was always one play to make the difference. And it was like, hey, who's going to make this play that's going to make a difference in this game? So it could have been any of the 11 guys that could have you know, caused that fumble. It could have been any of the 11 guys that picked the ball up. And, and we, we always felt like that something was going to happen. You know, and every game we played, you know, we always felt like that we going to find a way to win this game. Could you ever put into your mind a scenario by where which if Leonard Marshall does not plaster Joe Montana, that if he stays in the game, it plays out differently? Or did you just, hey, you know what, we were going to find a way one way or another to beat them? Again, I felt like that that was the way it was supposed to happen. It was supposed to happen the way that it happened. You know, hey, Leonard makes a big play um, that we didn't, we didn't realize how big a play that was when he knocks out Montana. Um, but that's the way it was supposed to happen. It was supposed to come down to a couple of big plays. You know, uh, I, I never looked at it as being any different than it was. You know, it, it, I, people ask, you know, man, you guys got luck. No, no, that's the, that's the way. You look at all the games that we played that year. That's the type of football that we played. That's Giants football. Parcells would always tell us, guys, if it comes down to one or two plays in the game, who wins the game, we will win that game. He told us going out to San Fran, he said, if you guys win this game, if you get me to the show, I guarantee you we win the show. That's what he told us. We packed going to San Fran. We packed to go straight to Tampa. I mean, we we weren't coming back home. I mean, mm-hmm. we were going to Tampa. I mean, that was the way – that we were prepared by Parcells and Belichick, and that was the attitude that we took. When did you first find out the week of the Super Bowl? I'm, I'm guessing uh, maybe the first practice that Belichick had crafted a game plan that was going to allow Thurman Thomas to run for his hundred yards, but it was going to be about stopping the K gun, Jim Kelly. And his aerial attack and his wonderful receivers, Mark Collins, beat the stuffing at Andre Reid in that game. Who could ever forget that? But what was your first thought when you got that game plan? Well, we knew that, I mean, we played these guys early in the season. Mm -hmm. And we felt that we allowed these guys to wear us down some. Going into that that game, um, Belichick's a genius. People ask me, you know, who's the, the best coach you played for? And I tell them Belichick. Because Belichick would come up with a defense. I mean, we didn't worry about that. We didn't worry about the scheme because we knew Belichick always come up with a scheme that would stop the opposing offense. Now, I must say, we were a little shocked when we looked at the scheme that he came up with. You know, that, hey, you're only going to have three down linemen. And, but we understood because he was like, hey, guys, you know, these guys are going to try to wear us down. And we're going to force them – we're going to take away what they do best, which we always do, which was the pass attack, and we're going to force them to beat us running the ball. And we felt like no team could beat us running the ball um, just because that we were so good at stopping the run. Stopping the pass against them was tough for any team. Um, so we felt like if we could put them in that position, we can keep at least our alignment as fresh as possible, which they were exhausted. I mean, when I say exhausted, if they would have ran the ball – more at the end of the game, I think they win that game. But they, 
they they waited too late to run the ball. They should have started off. I mean, because we gave it to them. We gave them the run. And for mm-hmm. some reason, they wanted to go back to their bread and butter. They forced they forced their pass. You know, where why do that when this team is allowing you? I mean, I mean Thurman had a, had a great game. You know, so why why stop giving it to him? You know, kind of like they did O.J. I mean, O.J., hell of a run, nine-minute drive. That was, I mean, when I think O.J. Anderson, I think of that nine-minute drive that O.J. Anderson had. You know, but that's our philosophy is if they're going to give you something, let's take it. And we gave them the run, and they didn't take advantage of it. Now, in, in a way, it's kind of true that when Belichick went to the sub-package on that whole game, again, to stop, to stop the, uh, the pass, that, that's almost like way ahead of his time because that's what people are doing now. They're going sub-package 65 70% of the time, nickels and dimes. Heck, the Chargers went with seven defensive backs in a playoff game this year. That really shows you how much Belichick was so far ahead of everybody else. Well, yeah, but, but Be- Belichick did his homework. When we would fly back from a game, Belichick would already be working on a game plan for the next opponent. I mean, this this guy was focused. But as a player... He prepared us the same way, and he expected us to do the same thing. Um, I used to come and get a lot of tape from you guys because Belichick had us come in on Wednesdays, and we would do what we call a signal callers meeting. I was a signal caller. just me and a linebacker, the guys that makes a call on defense. And we would have to go find small things that the offense would give us as a key that we can use when the game would start. You know, if a quarterback, when he snapped the ball – uh, and he padded the ball, he was going to go deep. Or, or if, when the lineman would lean forward, number 62, would lean heavy on his on his right hand, then we knew it was going to be run. I mean, just keys like that uh, that Belichick had the players go pick up. So just imagine the stuff that he had uh, his assistants trying to pick up in the keys. But you're right, he was ahead of his time. Um, for us, that's all we knew, especially for me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was a Belichick guy, so – I thought everybody was doing that. I didn't know it was was only Belichick. <laughs> Take me back to the last few minutes of the game. Giants settled for a field goal. Had they punched in for a touchdown, it would have made your lives easier. But they settled for three on offense. And now Kelly's got the ball, and, and he's got to try a two-minute drive now to win the game. What was the message in terms of how much ground can you give? Because you know that Norwood's going to probably get a shot at kicking a field goal. Afterwards, I heard that Parcells and Lindette had a conversation on the sidelines, and Lindette said he never made one that long on grass. What did you guys think was the point of, of no return, where you had to keep them out of that zone? Well, what you just said about Parcells uh, having with Lindette about, you know, Lindette saying that, that, that he's never had one that long on grass, we all knew that. That was something that we studied during the week. So when we lined, uh, before we went back out, you know, we knew in our head that, hey, this guy hasn't made anything better than 46 yards on grass. So we got to keep them, as uh, long as we keep them out of that distance. I mean, I tell my wife all the time, um, I said, as soon as he kicked the ball, I mean, I wasn't worried because I was like, hey, he's never had that leg to, to kick one this long. If you look at the film, you'll see I was the first one to run off the field when he mm-hmm. kicked the ball. You know, and then all of a sudden it was quiet. I'm thinking, oh, did it curve in? Did it go in or something? Did something happen? Because, I I mean, it didn't look good when it came off his foot to me. Um, so when we went out there, the first thing was they preached, Rack preached to the special teams. Guys, we need to get this ball down deep and make the tackle. We didn't do that. We gave them uh, a lot of yardage to start off with, you know, um, 
you know, was hoping we'd get them inside the 20. I think they started somewhere between the 30 and the 40, which was, you know, a lot more yardage than, than we wanted to give them because we knew if we can just slow these guys down uh, to four or five yards a carry, then it's going to take them X amount of time to score. And we knew in our head that, hey, just give them the short stuff, make the tackle, hold them as long as you can um, to make this field go longer. We never thought they were going to score. I mean, that that wasn't something that we were even worried about scoring. It was a matter of how long can we make this field go for him. Two huge one-on-one tackles on the drive. Everson Walls on Thurman Thomas. Mark Collins on Andre Reed right before the field goal. If either one of those guys don't make that one-on-one tackle, there's a lot of real estate to be had. All right. And you look at tackling, period. You know, you look at the touchdown that Thurman made. I mean, I missed a tackle on Thurman. Um, around the 20-yard line going in for a long run he had uh, early in the game. The big plays came off of missed tackles, and we were a defense that didn't allow uh, big runs, and we didn't allow missed tackles. So we knew we made some mistakes early on. Uh, but, but we knew when it counted that, you know, whoever needed to make the play would make the play because we knew it was a matter of keeping these guys out of field goal range that they're coming to heaven. All right, final question. Besides the Super Bowl ring and that win and that season, what is your other lasting memory about playing for this organization? Um, my lasting memory about playing for this organization uh, would be the, the ownership. You know, when I came here, uh, it was just the marriage that owned the team. Tish came in later, and I remember Mr. Marriott coming through personally after each game and talking to us uh, and handing the checks out to us. Uh, This is a person that during the week, he would not bother the players. He didn't come around the players a lot during the week because Parcel, that's the way he wanted. He didn't want the management uh, really hanging around uh, the athletes. But when we won games or even when we lost a game, you know, he would come talk to us. You know, and so we we really respected uh, the ownership of the Giants and just how well they took care of the players. Um, you take it for granted until you go somewhere else. And when I went to New England, and I was like, wow, because you assume that everybody had it like this. You know, that everybody had an organization that cared about them, that, you know, treated their family just as well as they treated you. I mean, my wife can tell you that they treated her excellent. I mean, they make sure that she was involved. They make sure that, she, that they have access to the players uh, after the game. I mean, my wife would actually meet us, you know, right after the game. They had areas that the wives can, can hang out. They did stuff with what I was as far as marketing things, and uh, they worked on uh, when it came to marketing uh, the pair uh, uh, uh jerseys or shirts or or anything like that the wives came in and was a part of that uh it's just a great organization that's what i remember most that you know i i love the giant organization i think that they do a great job for their players and their motto once a giant always a giant um is the proper model for for this organization the smile on your face says it all thanks Myron. you're welcome thank you that's Myron Guyton. Good stuff out of him. Way to relive the past. We love it. Good historical stuff right there from Paul and Myron. We thank them for being with us on this week's episode of the Giants Huddle Podcast, which you can find on Giants.com slash podcast. 
the Giants mobile app, and on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find our other Giants podcast on Giants.com slash podcast, like Big Blue Kickoff Live, our daily call-in show from 12 to 1, the Giants huddle, which you're listening to right now, and, of course, Giants Rewind with Carl Banks, our weekly spot with Carl once the season gets going. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time on the Giants huddle. Adios. Stay safe.